welcome those who are tuning in online, uh, live. So uh, glad that uh, you could be with us. Uh, I'm excited to be here today, and I want to thank Tom for uh, inviting me to speak to you today. A little bit about me, if you don't know. Last, uh, gosh, 10 years, been doing college ministry and having a great opportunity to walk with college men during their time here at IU. And um, one of the things that I'm going to do today is, is take you back to a time when you were a little bit younger, if you're not a college student, and uh, you're going to get to participate in that. So be prepared. We're going we're gonna to go on a little journey here in a little bit. Five weeks ago, Sherwood embarked upon a series called Love Thy Neighbor with the hopes that over these summer months we would explore some of the less known New Testament uh, people in the Bible. We wanted to hear their stories and uh, look at their lives and bring them back alive today and see how that relates in our lives. There are some goals to embrace and some non-negotiable biblical truths to remember. They are, our faith should influence the way we love others in our life. We talked about being present in the life of others and not being distracted by the things that don't really matter in life. We've talked about being helpful and serving those in need. We've talked about being interested in others and learning more about our neighbors and people God has put in our path. We are called to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. And what does that reflection look like? I think it's best said by Christ himself, and I'll paraphrase. What is the most important thing I need to do? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We can easily sum that up with four words, love God, love others. It seems so simple, but we struggle to love well. I think the purpose of coming together as a church body is to be reminded weekly of this calling. Tom asked me to speak on being intentional, uh, and he shared with me that after reading my book about discipleship, that I use that word intentional a lot. A discipleship journey is one of being intentional and loving well. Being intentional creates an opportunity for us to take time to listen, to understand and journey with someone. It allows us to love unconditionally and give hope, especially when the pain of life can seem almost overwhelming at times. Our New Testament life that embodies being intentional is Lydia. And I said, Tom, Lydia, really? This is, this is who you're giving me, not Paul, not Timothy. But he said Lydia. And uh, so be honest with me, who knows anything about Lydia? I had one at 8 o'clock. Okay, good, good. We got a few. All right. Well, I do remember something about her. I think I remember that she sold purple cloth, but I think it was probably a VBS story I told many, many years ago. She's only mentioned a couple of times, and since she appears in the book of Acts, I assume she was up to something big since that was the formation of the church. But what I found upon studying was that she was a woman that needs to be celebrated. And Tom knew what he was doing. He wanted me to discover the passion of Lydia because that was the passion of me. In studying for today, I found that Lydia was a woman of influence. She was a woman in Philippi who seemed to have a knack for in intentionally creating spaces where God can show up and move into lives. Her interaction with Paul early in the ministry was intentional 
And Paul, as we know, was one who became the most influential figure in the beginning of Christianity. So let's read what we have on Lydia in Acts 16, 13 through 15. On the Sabbath, we went outside the gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyarda named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened up her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. There are a few things that I want us to notice here. These people were Jewish because they observed the Sabbath. We know that Luke was with Paul here because he says we, and Luke is the author of the book of Acts. It's rather interesting that Paul is not speaking in a synagogue, but on a riverbank. It is also interesting that his first ministry here in Philippi was to women. Lydia was one of those women, as the scripture says. She was a worshiper of God. This has to be the working of the Holy Spirit as God led Lydia to begin her own ministry, as we will see. We will also find later that the church in Philippi has two women ministering in the church, and Paul tells the church to be supportive of them. Lydia was a dealer in purple cloth, and because purple dye was extremely expensive, purple garments were usually worn by royalty and the wealthy. As a result, we can assume Lydia's business turned a nice profit, which enabled her to have a house large enough to accommodate the missionary team and the new church at Philippi. We find at the end of Acts, Luke states that she met with the brothers and sisters and she encouraged them. Lydia's home became a place where she led, Bible studies were held, and I believe she was a disciple maker. We are not told who Lydia's household was, but she opened her home for the purpose of God. She did as Paul preached. She insisted on Paul and his helpers coming and staying at her house. She was equipped to lead. Lydia gave her life to the Lord. I love how the scripture says, the Lord opened her heart. This tells me she understood grace and forgiveness. This tells me she loved unconditionally. This tells me she had the ability to grow people in their faith walk, and she embraced intentional discipleship. Lydia's home is my focus today. Her ministry must have mattered. Her ministry was intentional. Her ministry changed lives. If it didn't, Luke would never have written about her in the book of Acts. I'm here today because God called me several years ago into intentional discipleship. What I've learned over the past 10 years or so is to find a safe place to journey with college students, to grow their relationship with Christ. Lydia's home was a safe place. Although I'm making a few assumptions, I believe Lydia embraced what I've learned to be the most important keys to being intentional. We must listen. Yes, listen. Everyone has a story. All of us know that we're not exempt from pain in this world. 
John tells us about that in his gospel. I want every college student I walk with to know just one thing. If you truly want to grow and journey towards a life of hope and joy, let's work through the distractions that keeps that joy out of reach. It's really hard to be vulnerable, but it's cleansing to have a safe place where unconditional love exists. Lydia's home built renewed lives. Not every home is void of pain, but I promise you there is a place where hope exists. I want you to experience a little bit of my discipleship ministry. It can be emotional, but that's what I do. And I'll be honest, it's where I've been. I think God laid intentional, intentional discipleship on my heart, just as he did Lydia. And it's where you've been too. So let's get started. I want you to think about your story growing up. What was your favorite room in your home? What are you doing there? How do you feel there? Who are the characters around you? What is your life like at home? What do you like about your family? What would you like to change about your family? What was school like? How would your friends describe you? Is there anything going on in your story that no one else knows about? of houses for years from better home and garden magazines plans were drawn in concrete pool and nail by nail and board by board 
give life to mama's dreams Well, I thought if I could touch this place of fear If I could just come in, I swear I'll leave Wanting nothing but a memory From a house that built me Well, you leave home, you move on You do the best you can this place of feeling Well, there's brokenness inside me might start healing And out here it's like I'm someone else I thought that maybe I could find myself And if I could walk around I swear I'd leave Won't take nothing but a Lydia's home became a place of hope for those hurting and needing hope and assurance that joy can come through a relationship with Christ. I began to think about the houses that built me on my own personal journey. I write in my book about a time in my life where I realized I was chasing hard the wrong things and I came up empty. Do you recognize it? I pulled up one morning in this building's parking lot. That was Sherwood Oaks on Winslow Road. I walked into the building and found a man that was a few years older than me, but still early in his ministry. Tom Ellsworth asked me to tell my story, and he intentionally started me on a journey with a new perspective. That house built me and brought more intentional relationships. There have been so many, but here are just a few. John and Joanne Cummins, Roger Clark, Claudia Mitchell, Neil Donhauer, Bonnie Dyer, Alan Phillips, and of course, Jeremy Earle, my ministry partner for over 10 years. All of the names I mentioned are ordinary people with a desire to intentionally invest, invest in lives. Are you qualified to disciple? Are you qualified to invest in lives of others? Well, let's look at the 12 disciples. Who were these 12? Can you name them all? I would rather you know this fact about them than all their names. They were ordinary, just like you and me. No great theologians. They were unlikely disciplers. A tax collector, 
fishermen, tradesmen. Lydia was an unlikely discipler, a businesswoman. I titled my book, An Unlikely Discipler, because that title fitted me perfectly. A businessman, a salesman, a broken man. My prayer for each of you here today is to embrace being an unlikely discipler. We all have the qualifications. We're ordinary people who love God and love others. And discipleship happens when we build a relationship. It's the core of what God has put in place for us. He made us relational for a reason. No one should walk alone. I found relationships happen over cups of coffee, a meal, and many focused conversations. Real relationships grow in safe places. And you have to establish trust. There's no room for gossip. Trust is a non-negotiable. If you want to grow someone in their faith walk, I have to establish a trust. How can I grow your relationship with Christ if you struggle in trusting me? Building a relationship and earning trust comes from consistency, being intentional, and following through. I'll only share, share one uh, real personal story, but about 10 to 15 years ago, I was really struggling with the tension between work and ministry. I really felt that I was disappointing God because I had this passion for ministry. I had this passion for young people, but I also loved my work and I had a passion for that. But somehow I couldn't get the two to align at all. It was a constant battle. So I talked to a couple of people locally, but I tried to guard this, this feeling that I was having. So I had a great friend in Kokomo and I asked him to meet me in Indianapolis. And we had dinner. And uh, I think I cried through dinner just telling him I was just so torn that I, I really felt that this is my calling. I'm disappointing God. I don't know what to do. And so he said what all good Christians say. He said, I'll pray for you. And that really wasn't what I wanted to hear. I wanted answers. So um, when I said about being consistent and being intentional and following through, two weeks later, I got a phone call. And he goes, I've been praying. When can we meet? I've got some answers. And so we met back up. And he said, Carrie, I think you can't see the forest for the trees. He goes, you can make your ministry your work. And he said, you love your employees. You love your customers. He goes, ministry happens seven days a week, not just one day in a church building. So that set me straight, and that kind of uh, projected uh, what I'm doing now and I have done for, for many, many years. And there's no cookie-cutter recipe for discipleship. Every one of my discipleship journeys with college men has been uniquely different, just as God has created us to be uniquely different. We come from different homes, different church backgrounds, and for the 18 to 25-year-old, just think of the number of voices that speak into them. It's hard sometimes to figure out which way to go. Discipleship fails, though, when we try to get to the end result without taking the proper steps. A church building isn't the only building that built me. Lydia chose her home, but she also invested in lives on the bank of the river. I would like to think our wonderful university is a place that um, is a house that builds lives. Another house that built me was right here in the center of the IU campus 
at the feet of distinguished English professor Paul Guccar. There's never been a moment with Paul that he hasn't grown me and he hasn't challenged me. Paul intentionally invests in lives today still at his office, on this campus, and at his home on Thursday nights. Many young men would tell you that the house that built them is anywhere Paul is at. And then there's those unlikely places. What do you think of when you see this image? The media only shares part of the story, but fails to share about the lives changed during that weekend. What you don't see on the wildest college weekend day at Indiana University are teams praying, kids loving each other, and lives changed. So much happens at Little 500. You just don't get to hear about it. So I want you to know that God is live and well on the IU campus. My intentional discipleship ministry became full-blown because of this weekend. From one college man asking me to journey with him through this time of life, multiplication began and more intentional relationships than you could ever imagine were born. I've been a blessed man, a decade of intentional relationships, and if I could give each of you one gift from God, it would be what he gave me. He calls us to invest in lives. Lydia is our example today. I want you to be the example tomorrow. The kingdom of God needs every one of us to be Lydia's, seeking opportunities in our homes, our offices, or your favorite spot. Maybe it's the banks of Lake Monroe. I prayed both of my sons, Joseph and James, would seek intentional relationships to grow their lives. They both have stories about the houses that built them. My discipleship ministry hasn't been without tears, but there have been absolutely no regrets. Sometimes I shake my head in disbelief of how God opened up so many doors for me to grow lives into a deeper relationship with him. I pray my four to five years spent with college men has given them a home, just like Lydia did. Of the 75 plus men that I've discipled, every story has been different. Every stage of growth in their faith walk varies. But what is the same comes in May. We reach that pinnacle of graduating, the excitement of a career ahead, relationships formed just as God would want. One thing that doesn't change is that I get to send them out to impact lives and make a difference in this world. Cars are packed, hugs are given, and I wave as the taillights go around the corner, and once they can't see me, my knees buckle, but it's changed my life for good. Today, I challenge you to experience the joy of opening up your home, opening up your heart, finding your place that is safe for conversations so life can happen. Lydia did so, and so can you. If you're here today and you're seeking a home like I saw many years ago and found at Sherwood Oaks on Winslow Road, I invite you to come and visit with me or any one of these 
unlikely disciples. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org/messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.